Well, good to see you all for the third of four sessions in the Newcomer's Orientation. And lesson three is on page 13. And the first two lessons were on uh, being an intentional church and then being a, a healthy church. And now today at the top of page 13, you see that we seek to be a growing church. And again, I remind you that in this setting, it's all good for you to ask questions as we go along, and I'll do my best to uh, try to answer them. And normally, once we shut the door, people are in outer darkness, but we will allow you to we'll allow you to come in, all right? <laughs> that's, that's not what Rob Bell says. There's, there's no such thing as outer darkness Rob Bell. Come in, come in. All right, all right. Because I was going to say, yeah, I just said to these guys come in, you have to stay in outer darkness once the door is closed. But since you brought your book, I'll let you. You know, I was just going to say that. So then I was going to say that to you guys, and then I saw my wife following on there to you. I can't leave her in outer darkness. So welcome, everybody. Page 13, lesson three. And lesson one was we seek to be an intentional church. Last week, a healthy church. Today, top of page 13, a growing church. And if you have any questions as we go, I'll do my best to answer them. But we say at the top of page 13, we've seen that CBC strives to be intentional in its ministry, stru- ministry structure. As seen in Lesson 1, our purpose is to help people learn about God, love Him and others, and live for His purpose. Therefore, the various ministries we offer exist to accomplish these biblical objectives. And so this lesson is going to survey some of the opportunities that we offer for learning and loving and living. Okay, So that's what our mission is, but we don't want that to just be a statement on the wall or that we just say, if that's your mission and it's got these three objectives, then you want the things you do to fit under one or more of those objectives. So first, we offer opportunities to help you learn about God. The Bible is foundational to our ministry. If you were here in the first hour, we're committed to truth. So... um, Try to reinforce that, and our motto from the very beginning, 14 years ago, when we started the church, was and is that we're the family of God, built on the Word of God to the glory of God. And so our church is built upon the Bible, and we seek to build individual lives on God's Word as well. Here are some of the opportunities. Discovering God. And I explained uh, the reason, the rationale for this hour uh, being second, worship being first, to you uh, last week, or excuse me, the week before, two weeks ago. And I just remind you of that, that we have uh, the Discovering God Hour second because during the Discovering, Discovering God Hour, we will do outreach series that we invite non-churched, unbelieving people to. And we teach on topics in that hour that are questions, often questions that unbelievers are asking that we seek to answer from a biblical perspective and use that as a platform to give the the gospel. The, The good thing about that is that the topics that we're covering and the answers that we're giving are often of help to believers as well. So on a given Sunday, that's the only adult class we will have most of the time. Now, we'll have some breakout classes during that Discovering God Hour for adults sometimes. I'll explain that in a minute. But most weeks, that's the only game in town. Everybody's in there, and I'm teaching through one of these topics. Now, what are they? If you look at the bottom of page 13, what's the difference? That's an examination of the differences between world religions and, and denominations. 
We have a series uh, that I've gone through a couple of times now in the years of our church, and you see that that's a question that a lot of unbelievers on unchurched people ask. Why are there so many denominations? Uh, what's the difference between this and that? And so we go through that. You mean the Bible teaches that? That's an examination of the Bible's teaching on ethical issues. What does the Bible say about homosexuality and abortion and capital punishment and those kinds of things? Why you can trust the Bible, the origin and uniqueness of the Bible. Lots of people ask questions about that. Where did the Bible come from? They're under the misconception that the Bible has come to us through a series of one translation to another to another to another. We're at the tail end of a long chain of those translations so that now what we have is hopelessly lost from what the original was. Just that simple fact surprises a lot of people that we're only one step removed, one translation from the original the original languages. And so this class tries to uh, answer some of that. Meant to last, class on marriage, <clears throat> parenting class, Big Bang or Big God, that's about evolution versus uh, what the Bible teaches on creation. End times, what's the world coming to? Money, uh, from self-help to God's help. You can see, and then this is just a partial list. Uh, we're going to start uh, a series after we're done with this, uh, two weeks from today, called Get a Life, and it's about uh, in this hour, and Get a Life is about uh, how to structure your life according to purpose, and specifically according to God's purpose, so that's what we'll be doing two weeks from today, and all of these classes, people get some notes, a notebook, uh, and so it's a comfortable setting, it's uh, worked very well for us to have uh, unchurched, unbelieving people come. They're coming into a classroom atmosphere. They come, if they come a little bit early, they come into the cafe community time. They get a bagel and a cup of coffee. They get a notebook. They come in and sit down. They know what they were invited to hear about, what the topic was. They hear about that for 45 minutes, and then that's it. And they leave surprised. They're surprised that we didn't shake them down for money. We didn't even pass the hat at all. Uh, So they're surprised at that. They're surprised that what we told them we were going to do is exactly what we did. We're going to talk about this. That's what we talked about. Okay, So it's not a bait and switch. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about it. So that's not a big surprise to them. You know, So we didn't try to get them to some event and then hit them with the gospel. We're a Bible church. We're going to look at the Bible and what the Bible says about the topic at hand. And so they either want that or like that or, or not. Um, so not only did we not shake them down, we gave them something. We gave them some notes. We gave them a gift for being our guest. So they can't say, as is often said about churches and pastors, they want my my money, right? So what we're trying to do with all of that is to remove unnecessary barriers to being able to to give the gospel. We're not trying to make ourselves appealing. That's the difference I was trying to get at and answer to the question last week. We're not trying to make ourselves appealing as if we can by our appeal, get people to come to Christ. What we are trying to do is remove obstacles to getting a hearing for them. And those are some of the obstacles that people have. Misconceptions about us wanting money, um, uh, speaking in a language they don't understand, uh, you know, engaging in music that they don't care about. So trying to have a kind of quasi-worship time with unbelievers you know, invited to this. So we don't do any of that. No music, no offering, none of that. Just get right, just get right to it. Okay? So that's what we do in the Discovering God Hour for the Adults. Now, just above that, under point A, while that's going on, and as I speak right now, there's the full age-graded uh, classes that we have 
that we have going on. And we say there, each Sunday at 11, we offer age-graded classes for infant through adult. And our children's curriculum, and Discovering God is one of the curricula that we that we use. Uh, they, they, they sometimes in other age grades use others, but all of them, whether Discovering God or not, are thoroughly God-centered and parent-inclusive. Now, what does that mean? Uh, a lot of the material that you can buy through Christian publishing houses uh, is market-driven material. And it is um, it is centered on it is centered it's man centered rather than God centered. Now here's what I mean. Uh, if in a lot of material you take the story of David and Goliath, who's the hero in the story of David and Goliath? Well, it's actually the same hero as in all the stories. It's God. That's who it's supposed to be. But but if you're not careful, you get done with that. David's the hero. And a God-centered approach makes sure that people understand David's nothing. Okay, David's only empowered by God. And the same God can empower you. So God's supposed to be the hero. Or, take another example. Kids are taught about Jesus feeding the 5,000. <clears> now what's the moral of that story? Well, it's, you know, God uh, is the owner of everything and God can supply anything. God can do anything and he can supply anything. But in market-driven material, it's a good object lesson on sharing for kids to learn to share. Well, the feeding of the 5,000 is not about sharing. It's about the fact that Jesus can do anything and Jesus owns everything. So kids need to regularly hear that, that God, God is the hero and those kids in all of those stories, God is the one behind it, God is the one. That's what we mean by being thoroughly God-centered. And then the parent-inclusive piece is just informing parents with regard to what has been is being taught to the kids, uh, offering some suggestions about things that they could do at home to reinforce what's being taught in the classroom. Because sometimes the parents have no clue what's being taught to the, the kids. And uh, sometimes, unfortunately, what's going on at home is completely contrary to what's being, being taught in the, in the classroom. We say in the middle of that paragraph, while our teachers endeavor to make class enjoyable for the kids, our primary objective is to teach truth about God that results in salvation and devotion. So if they have fun, uh, age-appropriate, we understand kids being kids, they got to move around, they got a lot of energy, so they do that stuff, uh, and, and wisely so. But they don't just do that. Their objective is to actually teach. And then there's our high-impact ministry, and that's teens, and it focuses on the development of a biblical worldview. Subjects such as apologetics, origins, ethics, and so on are taught and discussed in order to integrate the truth with everyday life. Now, why? Why is our teen ministry focused on that? And these guys can all attest to the truth of what I just said there, right? When you guys went through uh, our high school ministry, that's what they that's what they got. And what a cool thing to have all of these guys sitting here, by the way. And I mean that. Uh, what a great thing to have teenagers who graduated last year who are now saying, I'm examining in my own right, not just following what my pastor, my uh, parents did, but in my own right, whether I'm going to join the church and be a part of the, be a part of the church by my own choice. So that's who, that's who all these guys are up here. And that's what they were, that's what they were taught, very ably so, by uh, Larry Castle and others that, uh, that help him. And the reason we do that is this, is because, uh, it actually fits with the way I teach parenting. 
I teach parenting uh, in three phases. That there's the zero to six age. And the zero to six phase for the parent is the phase where your primary objective is to teach your child that you have been placed in his or her life as a good gift from God, as an authority over them. We, your parents, are in charge. And that's a good thing for you. We love you. God loves you and has given parents who love you to be in charge of you. And you need to learn then to submit to that. Now, that's a couple of lines, easy to say, hard to do, right? But that's your objective in that phase. And if you will lay that foundation in that phase, it makes the other phases much easier. If you blow zero to six, it becomes much, much harder. Seven to 12 is the formative phase. And that's where now you're you're seeking to see character developed in the life of your your child. That they learn truth versus deception and what it means to be a person of character emulating Jesus. And all of this, of course, we're... We're praying that they'll come to the Savior and be regenerated. But then from 13 to 18, the third phase is what I call the evaluation phase. Because I think if parents do do it wisely, they will, uh, they will uh, give controlled exposure to their children when they become teens. Now, I choose that word carefully, controlled exposure. Some parents just say, hey, they're teens, they're going to find out what's going on in the world, just, you know. No. They're still under your charge. But, and so it's controlled exposure. But it is more exposure now than it was when they were 10. And And you gradually allow them more exposure to things that are happening around them, independence, so that they can now evaluate what they're hearing and what they're seeing using the grid of what you've already laid out from 0 to zero to 12. But as they're doing that, now all kinds of questions are going to come up. A teenager, by its very nature, is now going to be exposed then to more thoughts, more propositions, more possibilities. And this is one of the reasons we lose our young people is because we don't match that with what we say here. So while that's going on, we here are training them in apologetics and ethics and most of those kinds of questions that they're now evaluating. And we're seeking to give them a biblical perspective uh, on them. And God in his grace then uses that, what I think is wisdom, to do that, to then allow us, you know, not a perfect record by any means, but allow us to have a lot of our young people say, if they don't move away, I want to commit myself, not only to commit myself to the Lord, I want to commit myself to his work at his, at his church, and they're coming to that by their own, their own decisions. All right, so that is our opportunities on Sundays to learn about God. In addition, if you look at the top of page 14, in addition to those regular adult sessions each Sunday, we periodically offer what I mentioned earlier, breakout classes for targeted demographic groups, such as young adult, young married couples, and so on. So down, you see the footnote 8 there, down at the bottom, if you can read the 10-point font. For instance, the Crossroads group focuses on topics of particular significance 
to the young adult community, such as vocation and dating and sex and culture. So here's what that means. That's the young adult group. That's the group that these guys have graduated from, uh, high school, high impact, and now are in the Crossroads group. And a few times a year, the Crossroads group will take four weeks, six weeks. And instead of being in with us, they'll be in a room like this. And they'll meet together, have a good time together, but more important, they'll go over topics of particular interest to them. Now, that's the way we do our demographically-based ministries for the most part. They're not permanent classes that are always separated from the rest of the, the church. And that's why on Sundays, most of the time, we're all together. But we also recognize that different phases and different age groups have particular challenges and it's good to have ministry to them and have camaraderie amongst them, and so that's why we have these ministries. But they're not permanent every Sunday classes. Okay. Part of the reason for that is, in a lot of our churches, the young and the old are always separated from each other. Now, so you go through our kids program, you go through our high-impact program, teens, and then you graduate. And if you just drop the ball completely on that, and it's just you always got to be in with us, you know, every time, well, then then it gets, it's, it's a, a transition is better. And that's what Crossroads is trying to do, to make that transition from high impact into the adult class. And while it does that, have these breakout sessions to address issues. But otherwise... The young people, if you started a permanent class and said, now you graduate from high impact, now we're going to have a crossroads class, and every Sunday you guys are going to meet separate from the adults. So that continues in many churches in perpetuity. You know, then you get married, and now you have a married class. So here's the problem. When does a younger person become acquainted with older people in the church? And the answer in many churches is like never, because they're constantly separate. And Titus 2 says, older women are to teach younger women. And older men are to teach younger men. So we think it's very important for our young people to be integrated as much as possible into the life of the overall church. At the same time, having their needs met by having these these breakout sessions. Then there's growth partners. What is that? Growth partners is one-on-one. And it's a six-month ministry that involves the daily study of a portion of the Bible, weekly memorization of Bible verses, and the weekly study of a resource that gives you insights to the biblical profile of mature of maturity for a man or woman of God. So for that duration of that six months, the partners meet weekly to pray, discuss the reading assignments, review the memory verses. It's also a uh, an opportunity to share the daily events and concerns of their lives in a confidential setting. So what we do with the growth partners, if, and it's an optional thing, but if somebody uh, registers for that at our information desk, then we assign them to a partner. You get a notebook of material, and it's very simple. It's got the verse that you memorize each week, the passages that you read. It gives you things to pray, uh, to pray about, and then we give you a book to read. For the men, it's a book called The Measure of a Man by Gene Getz, and that book takes the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 for a mature man, and it breaks those down. And every week you go over one of those qualifications out of the book. And then for the women, it's a book called A Woman After God's Own Heart by Elizabeth George. 
We have both of those books in the Resource Center. We also have those notebooks for growth partners in there as, as well. Now, we say it's six months. We will allow, if the, the pairing can't meet every week, if they can only meet every other week, then we uh, will allow them to meet every other week. But we want it done in a year. Because if you say we're going to meet once a month, it's going to take you forever. Okay, <laughs> So uh, once a week or once every other week. And then on Wednesday evenings, point C, middle of page 14, we have what we call our community institute. That resumes this Wednesday at, we say 7 o'clock, the kids' programs that run concurrent with community institute start at 7 o'clock. 7.15 is actually when the classes start for the adults. So if you don't have any kids coming, you can come after 7 o'clock. But that's why we advertise 7. Classes go one hour from 7.15 to 8.15. And Community Institute is our version of a Bible institute. We offer courses in biblical basics, survey of Bible books, historical and practical theology. It allows each CBC or an avenue for lifelong learning as a means of spiritual growth. How to Get the Most Out of Your Bible, the Discovery Series, and Master Plan for Life, I'm going to explain these to you in a minute, are the foundational courses for Community Institute. So what's How to Get the Most Out of Your Bible? Two-semester course provides an overview of the Bible's message and instruction on how to interpret and apply. That class is a prerequisite for all the others. Discovery is a four-semester series. It teaches the essentials of the Christian life. And then Master Plan for Life, two semesters, overview of the great themes of the Bible. It's really a systematic theology for regular people is what I call it. So if you will turn uh, to page 17, let me show that to you in illustrated form. So you see the spiritual growth process there. And at the top, it's just people come into the church through various ways. They might have come through one of the Discovering God series, through personal evangelism, through a uh, evangelistic home study, seeking God and finding Him, or, or some other way. But they come in, and uh, they may get baptized and, and join. They may take the newcomer's orientation like you guys are. But then there is growth partners that I've explained. And then the next four boxes are the ones I was just talking about. How to get the most out of your Bible, which gives a survey of the whole Bible, uh, how to interpret the Bible, and how to apply the Bible, those three things. I'm teaching that class right now, and we teach that class on a rotational basis so that everybody can come through it. It's the first and foundational class that we want everybody to go through. Because that way, everybody who comes into our church has familiarity with the Bible. They have familiarity with the Bible's themes, the overall structure of the Bible. They know something about how to interpret it and something about how to apply it. But then the Discovery series, you see Roman numeral 1, 2, 3, and 4. There are four books for the Discovery series. And this is published material that we uh, buy from a place in Dallas called the Center for Church-Based Training. And those four books are these, Discovering the Christian Life, Discovering Intimacy with God, Discovering Your Role in God's Family, and Discovering How to Share Your Faith. Four books devoted to those four topics, 12 lessons in each of them. So it's 48 total lessons. It's four total semesters. Now, a calendar year for Community Institute goes two semesters. So if this is four semesters, it takes two calendar years to go through that. The How to Get the Most Out of Your Bible is two semesters. That's one calendar year. So if you're doing the math, How to Get the Most Out of Your Bible, one year. Discovery is then two years. That's three total. Then you've got Master Plan for Life. 
And that's the systematic theology for regular people. That's two semesters. That's another calendar year, four, four years. Now, I told you guys about, didn't I, about Paul being with the Ephesian church for three years. And uh, at the end of that, he says, I've declared to you the whole counsel of God. Uh, that's, I say, all things being equal, in three to five years, if you have an intentional process, you can take somebody from new faith in Christ to being grounded in their faith in that three to five year period. Because even though we don't have Paul, um, we have tools, we have published material, we all have Bibles. And if it's intentional, then somebody can go through these sequential things and uh, and arrive at a, um, a first level of maturity that then puts them in good stead to move on in their Christian life. And then that last box is Community Institute Electives. And those are just after you're done with the foundational courses that we try to have everybody go through. Uh, and most people do. Uh, most people don't object to it um, because they're happy to have a track to, to go on. Um, so most people do. We obviously can't force people to do it, but we encourage people to do it. And then after that's over, we offer then classes after that. This Wednesday, I'll be in the room adjacent to this one doing How to Get the Most Out of Your Bible. In this room, Dr. Combs from Detroit Seminary will be teaching the book of Acts, uh, Acts 13 through 28. So last semester he did 1 through 12. This semester we did 13 through 28. Um, we have a men's class going on that's not part of the core curriculum, but it's called Men's Fraternity. That'll be meeting in the auditorium. And then Discovery uh, will be going on, Discovery Book 2. They covered Book 1 last semester. We'll start Book 2 this semester, and that meets in our resource center. So we have four adult classes going on. Those are listed in your program today, and all that goes on on Wednesday nights. And while that's happening, we got the age-graded stuff for, for the kids and the teens going on as well. Okay? All right. Now, we'll come back to that chart in just a bit, but that's how the classes fit in. If you'll go back to page 14, then, just before Roman numeral 2, at the bottom of page 14, We've got a worship service, and of course, that also is part of helping people learn about God. So we offer opportunities to help you learn about God, but also to love God and others. The most often used metaphor for the church is a family. Our name, community, was chosen in part to reflect that. And our ministry structure is designed to offer venues in which the one another commands of the Bible can be carried out. And the love by which Jesus said, all men will know that you are my disciples, can be fostered. Let me stop there. Notice I say that we try to offer venues in which the one and other commands can be carried out. If a church structures itself in a way that people are stratified from one another on a regular basis, then you're not offering regular opportunities for, for folks to interact and get to know each other. You can structure the church unintentionally, if you're not careful, in a way that keeps people away from, from each other and away from getting to know uh, more more people within the church. And that's a particular challenge as a church gets larger. So making sure that you're offering avenues and, and, and environments in which people are put in places that they can get to not only know people, but get to know other people to carry out the one another commands is important for us. So how do we, how do, we do that? Um, we've got our worship power. That's the time to express our love for God. But then notice, expressing our love for others. The main ministry that we offer for this and putting people together with others in a setting 
that is more relational than you can do on Sunday mornings and allows you an opportunity to meet more and more people over time is point B, community groups. Those meet in homes on Sunday evenings. And we do three things. Refreshments, discussion, and then and then prayer. Now what's discussed? What's discussed is what was preached the week before. So tonight, in our community groups, we'll be discussing what I preached last week on the call to ministry from 1 Thessalonians 5. And when folks come into their home group, they will get a sheet, and it will have four or five questions, discussion questions on it. And the group will, after the refreshment time, they'll gather together, and then the leader will take them through these these discussion questions. So they're how to apply this now uh, to our to our, our lives. So it's not a Bible study. It's a discussion of how to apply what's already been studied and, and taught. And then the third thing that's done is prayer. So you've got, so you've got three components. You've got refreshments. You've got discussion. You've got prayer. It starts at 6 o'clock. You've got a couple of groups that start at 5 o'clock because they've got people in the group who have to get up exceptionally early or something in the morning, so they start at 5. But most of them start at 6, and they go to 7.30, 7.45. Roughly a half hour for each of these three components, which is the, uh, the refreshments, the discussion, and the, and the prayer time. That sheet that has the uh, discussion questions on it, on the back side of it, it has a prayer list. It has our church's prayer list on it. So prayer requests that have come in from the church body are on that list. The group, of course, can give its own prayer request, and then they have a time of prayer together. All right, Jake? Well, is it the week before message that you discussed that the week of? Yeah. Just Here's, keeping it fresh. Yeah, I know. That would be the best thing. Um, but the dude who puts the sermon together would also have to put the question together. And he's a bum. So, so that's why. Thanks for pointing that out, though. <laughs> now, maybe we'll get to that one of these days. No, you're right. But it's um, it's just that's an extra thing to do. In addition to having the sermon ready, it also means having these questions ready. So, And, it, and it's also a task, then, frankly, that I don't have to do. Because as I'm preaching the message like today, um, Jim, the guy who's in charge of community groups for us, Jim Steppenbach, Jim is thinking as I'm as I'm talking about what would be good application questions based on what he just said, and he's jotting them down, and he actually puts the questions together, and then he sends them out to the leaders about midweek, and then we we go from there. So that's the reason it would be better. So you'll discuss what was you know what was uh, preached the week before in those three seconds. Uh, so this is a ministry we want everybody in the church to be involved in if at all possible. Uh, because it does offer an opportunity that you don't get in other settings. It's the prayer time for our church. And here's the other thing. We then mix those groups up. So the groups will last a year together. Now, I'm being lobbied to have them last two years together. So we'll see. We don't, But we break them up every, every September. So I've got some time to be lobbied some more. And we'll, we'll see if the current groups stay together for another year. But whether it's once it's been one year, whether it's one year or two years, they're not together forever. And part of the reason for that is it's a year is long enough for people to establish some solid relationships. 
but it's not so long that kind of clicks of stick develop. And breaking them up allows you then to go into another group where you meet other people for another for another year. So if you're in community groups for five years, over that five years, you've mixed with a lot of people within the within the church. Okay? So that's what the community group ministry is. Cafe community, that's what we just left, the, the bagels and the coffee. And you know, it's on here just to say that that actually is strategic. That's intentional. We spend money. That's in our budget to spend money on bagels and coffee. And we've got folks who come in and prepare all of that. It's a, a ministry. And we consider it to be a, an important ministry because if you look at what's happening for that half hour, there are a lot of people interacting with each other. They're enjoying each other's company. But often there's ministry going on there as well, personal ministry to each other. Uh, things that are going on in each other's lives and so on. And then community life is our calendar of events designed to strengthen our relationships. Our full calendar includes numerous picnics and dinners as well as family outings, like sporting events, hay rides, and so on. And again, that's all strategic. I explained to you that even our calendar is intentional. Two weeks ago, that's the community life calendar of events. All right, so we try to help you learn about God, love Him and others, and then last, uh, help you live for God's purpose. Those who have been touched by the gospel have the privilege and responsibility to reach others with its life-changing message. To that end, we offer opportunities and training designed to encourage an evangelistic mindset and lifestyle. So we try to offer witnessing opportunities and training opportunities. Baptism. So you see baptism there as a under witnessing opportunities. How is that? Well, remember what baptism is. It's a public testimony of your faith in Christ. And because of that, we, for 14 years, have used our baptism as an outreach event. That the person, the persons who are being baptized are encouraged to invite friends, family members, co-workers, and neighbors to come and see them getting baptized. And, you know, in our culture, people will go to that. It's like Joe at work is having this religious ceremony. And we give a printed invitation to the person who's being baptized that says, you know, this individual invites you to observe his, her baptism on the date, time, at Community Bible Church, address, gives a little map, and then it says dinner will follow. Dress is casual. And so they've got a printed invitation that they give to coworkers and neighbors and so on to invite them. And we have the baptism, we call it a baptism celebration. And then after that, we have a dinner. So that auditorium, when you come in March 20th, is our next one, at 5 o'clock. It's in the evening. Uh, when you come in at 5 o'clock, it's set up with round tables. And uh, it's open seating, except the assigned seating for the people who are being baptized and their guests. We've got assigned seating for them. And they see the individual get baptized. After the baptism, I do like a 10-minute gospel presentation explaining what it was that qualified these people to be baptized. So the gospel is given. We have at every place setting a gospel track. And in the, in the program that folks receive when they come in, it explains what baptism is and what baptism is not. And just before the baptism, Larry Castle, who does our announcements, Larry gives an explanation of that, what it is, what it's not. 
Because a lot of those people are going to come in and think this is a means to get to heaven. They're going to think it's a sacrament. They're going to think a number of things. So we try to clarify that very succinctly by putting that in front of them. So in 30 minutes max, at the beginning of that, they've heard what baptism is and what it's not. They've witnessed the baptism. I've given a gospel presentation. And then by 5.30, we're having this, this dinner. Those unchurched, unsaved folks, presumably some of them are, come to this and they and it breaks down some barriers for them. Because they see us in a setting like that. I get to go around and introduce myself to them and so on. And they think to themselves, that cult was not as bad as I thought. Because that's what they've been thinking the whole time. The friend at work said, will you come to my baptism? And they go, "Uh, baptism, tell me about that. Well, I'm going to get dunked in water. (laughs) What? Right? It's completely strange to them. You're going to get dunked in water? You're 40 years old. You're going to have some guy stick you in water? You know, i got to see this. So what kind of what kind of group is this that you know my coworkers got mixed up with? But he's getting baptized. I'll go see it. I mean, you know that the people are just coming in with their guard up, with skeptical about it. So we're aware of that, and we try to address that very indirectly through the dinner and just a fellowship time and a good time. And we have people in our church who the first time they ever came to our church was one of those baptisms. And uh, their testimony is that they were skeptical, just like I said, but it breaks down some barriers. So baptism is a witnessing opportunity. The Discovering uh, God material, those series that I listed, we print invitations when we have an outreach series. Uh, When we have those kind of series that I had on, on the other page, we print invitations and we put them at our information center so that you can take them, you can take 20, 30, 50 of those, and you can give them to people. So we try to make it easy for you to invite folks. I also send an email, a PDF version of that invitation to the entire church, and I say you can forward this to people to invite them. So that's what we mean by the promotional material there. And then evangelistic community groups, those are community groups that meet for a defined period for going through the, uh, going through the gospel and then evangelistic and outreach events. But in addition to those opportunities, there's training. Book four of the Discovery Series is devoted to how to uh, share your faith. And then on page 16, Seeking God and Finding Him, Living Proof. These are just uh, curricula that train on how to share the gospel. And then this Get a Life Seminar that I mentioned. Examines the Bible's teaching regarding purpose, the fact that God has uniquely designed us to participate in His purpose, and offers exercises to help us discover our divine design. And then, last, there are support ministries and service opportunities in order for you to live for God's purpose. In order for the frontline ministries of learning, loving, and living to operate, there are numerous support services that have to be carried out. Now, just think about that for a moment. Um, if you've been in church for a lot of years, then you're probably aware of that. But a lot of people are not aware of what it takes for a church to operate. If you've never been in the inner workings of 
how it, all that has to be done, then it's very easy to think that it just gets done. And nothing just gets done, right? The, today, uh, I should probably do this, just, just calculate every last task, big and small, that had to be done in order to make these couple of hours go. But it's a zillion, okay? I mean, you'd be amazed at how many people had to come out and salt the walkways and the parking lot before any of us ever got here to make sure that things are set up for the the music people to have on Wednesday rehearsed what they're going to do on on Sunday, for the program to get printed and folded. Somebody comes in and does that. So it has to get composed, it has to get printed, it has to get folded. The stuff that's going in it has to get inserted. And for us, almost all of that happens by volunteers. Uh, So our church has made from day one a concerted effort to make sure that we avoid the 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And we hover around 80% of our people actively involved in the ministry. Now, we're after that other 20%, okay? Um, so it, sometimes it's more than that, sometimes it's less than that. It's been a very high percentage of people involved, partly because we have a newcomer's orientation where we say that's our in our DNA, that's what we, that's what we do. So if you join our church, that will be an expectation that we'll find an area of service for you, whether that's a support ministry or a frontline ministry. But there is ministry for everybody to for everybody to do. And in addition to those, we've got Leadership Institute. That's for men who desire to be leaders in in God's church. And then Community Service is the ministry we offer to actually place people in ministry. So community service, uh, that's what we call it. Have you guys noticed we get a lot of mileage out of the word community? Every community groups, community institute, community service, community life is our calendar. Yikes. But community service, we say if you join our church, then you are consigned, penalized for a life of community service. Okay? <laughs> but it seeks to place people in a proper ministry fit in either learning, relational, evangelistic ministries, or some of these support, uh, support ministries. Now, if you go back to the chart on page 17, you'll see those. We looked at the learn piece for Community Institute down the middle, but then to the right, our worship service allows us to express our love for God. Our love for others, the primary ministry for that, in which that's fostered, is these home community groups. And then down at the bottom, community service is the main ministry that helps us live for His purpose, use our gifts and abilities in the Lord's in the Lord's work. Now, notice the way that thing is, that, that chart. You've got the learning, and then to the right, there's a, that's an arrow. So that's supposed to depict that coming out of the learning, it's expressed in these things. So it's not learning for its own sake. It's not learning and simply soaking as a sponge. But rather it's learning, and then that learning should be expressed in, in loving and living. And that's what we're trying to depict there, okay? All right. And um, the next lesson, next week, page 18, is that we seek to be a committed church. And we'll, and we'll wind up next week 
with what do you do now if you decide I want to take a next step or I want to at least investigate taking the next step to joining the church. We'll tell you about that next week. You guys have any questions? All right. Thank you all. Lord willing, we'll see you next week.